Holy God, we give you thanks that we can gather. We give you thanks that your peace abides in us since you breathed your breath of life. Help us this morning restore within us that peace. Help us hear your words of grace. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'll have to say that technology issues are kind of one of those things that throw us off in life. I know that uh, at times I can be working away on my computer and then any sense of accomplishment or peace that I have is completely and utterly lost. Especially if you're old enough to live in a time period pre-autosave features, right? I can't tell you the frustration that I remember having in college when I was working on this sort of 10-page theology piece and then all of a sudden I get the blue screen, right? That dreaded screen that all of a sudden you know something devastatingly wrong happened on your computer, and in that moment you think to yourself, or you thought to yourself, because we don't have this problem anymore, when was the last time I hit save? And anxiety fills, and you start thinking about all the things you have yet to do on your plate, and all the lack of time that you have in that moment. It's not surprising that when I went home that night, my roommates heard a little bit of that anger and frustration. Because you know that never happens to any of you, right? Is that you get some sort of jolts during your day that carries with you this sense of battle with those around you. Especially those that we're closest to. In, in premarital counseling, one of the things that you'll often hear uh, a pastor or a counselor talk about is know yourself within the conflict before you blame the other in that conflict. To know where you are and where you're coming from amidst any sort of disagreement or argument that you might have. Because the reality is, is that a lot of times when we engage in sort of those you know, frustrating moments when we start to tizzy in those interpersonal dynamics, they oftentimes are results not of that current situation, but of the baggage we bring into it. Something that's completely out of the control of your spouse or your partner or your friends, like your computer crashing in this frustrating technology moment. But we bring it with us, don't we? Into those times. This morning, we light the candle of peace. And we're reminded that Christ brings peace. But just like last week when we talked about the sort of apocalyptic future of Christ coming back, that's what this time of Advent's about, it's also a recognition that Christ is present now. And though we hope for peace and hope in the future, it's available here and now, because the gift of Christ is here and now. It's this totally, utterly mysterious proclamation within our faith. We call it the mystery of our faith when we will do our communion liturgy later in our worship service, which is Christ has died, Christ has risen, 
and Christ is come again. What that's really saying is that the power of Christ to defeat even death is here and present because that happened. And yet at the same time, we still live in a world where we're praying for the kingdom of God to be more real today than it was yesterday. And to hope for the future. I know that many of us throughout this past year have been looking to the future. I've already been Christmas card shopping. I can't tell you how many ones say, thank God 2020 is over, or we're looking forward to 2021. But then I I had a post uh, from a, a kind of a comedian, and he said, why isn't anyone saying, I hope 2021 is going to be my best year ever? Because it's hard to look into 2021 right now and hope that it's going to be our best year ever because we are still grippled by this global pandemic and all of the collateral that it causes in our lives. And so our hope is a hope beyond, right? Hope after the pandemic. When we can get back to normal, when we have our vaccines, when we're able to have our businesses booming again from our tourism economy or whatever be it. But last week we reminded us, or the, the scripture reminded us, the gospel reminded us to be awake and be ready. And then this morning's scripture is one of peace and it begins by saying, a voice cries out in the wilderness. And it's from the prophet of Isaiah. A little bit of context of Isaiah, if you don't know that book and don't know anything about the prophet Isaiah, it's actually a misnomer to say the prophet Isaiah. There's probably more like two or potentially three prophets that spoke throughout the book. And in fact, different, radically different time periods as well. The first section is known as First Isaiah, and that section is a, a, a prophet that's speaking to a nation after the breakdown of the northern kingdom by the Assyrian Empire. The second book, the second Isaiah, which is where we find ourselves in this morning, the beginning of that, is written most likely during the Babylonian exile a few hundred years later. And it was written during the exile as a way to encourage the people as they moved back into the land of Jerusalem, of Judah, that they were hopefully anticipating going back in. And and so the words of the prophet Isaiah reflect this when it says, your sins have passed away, you've you've lived into the punishment, which is how they understood the, the breakdown of the northern kingdom of Israel. And something good is on the horizon. A voice cries out in the wilderness. One of the, the depictions there, though, that the, the writer, we believe, is trying to press into is that, interestingly, he never says, or she never says, your peace will be found, your hope will be realized when you get back from exile. 
Instead, it places all sense of peace, all sense of comfort, all sense of hope in the shepherd that guides God's people. See, because right now, I want, just like you, an end to this pandemic. I want to be able to gather with friends. I want to travel to see my family. I want to do all the things around Christmas that we're used to doing. And and if we can't do it this year, at at very least, I'm like you, hopeful. I'm going back to normal of finding that joy and that peace and all the things beyond the veil that we can see right now. But that puts ourselves, puts our hope, and puts a peace beyond us puts it in something beyond God, for that matter. Christ is our peace, and although it's something that we hope for in the future, it's something that's available to us now. Just like the hope is available for us now, the peace is available for us now. And I'm sorry to say, but it doesn't matter who sits in the president's office. It doesn't matter which nation has the loudest voice at the United Nations. It doesn't matter when we're going to be done with this pandemic. Our peace, our joy, our love, and our hope will not come from those external factors in the world. But it's going to come as we place our hope, find our peace, live into the joy, and experience the love of God. Over and over again, God calls God's people to rely not on themselves and not on the world around them, but on God. That doesn't mean you can't engage in politics. It doesn't mean we can't try to make the world a better place. It doesn't mean we can't work diligently to have a vaccine and all of us be willing to take it so we can experience the the gifts that might come. But it means that God's peace— Love, joy, and hope will not come solely through those endeavors. And so it's not too surprising that the words of Isaiah, a voice cries out in the wilderness, the comfort and the peace that's found in God's shelter, are then picked up by this radical preacher just before Jesus begins his ministry, known as John the Baptist. Our gospel reading for this morning could have been that of John the Baptist and the beginning of his ministry. A time when there was turmoil and unrest under the Roman Empire. And then they hear the words, a voice cries out in the wilderness. But then the irony, though, is that John takes it a step further. Because what's John's message, if you know the Gospels? It's this big, ugly word that none of us like to talk about, known as repent. The time is near. Repent. We despise that word because it it means, you know, all sorts of things in different contexts. And I just want to demystify it for a minute. Repent means to turn. 
and to acknowledge that we are not God and the world around us is not God, but that God is God. And just like at the beginning of our candle lighting, when we lit the candle of peace, Sue read and God, which was my voice, proclaimed that peace is in you from your birth. That God has embedded within all of the world God's peace. But we turn from it. We think that we know what's best. We let those moments, like the the computer crashing, flood our heart and our energy so that when we engage in other people, we do so with the heart of war, of battle. Peace begins with repentance. Not because you've done everything wrong and you need to apologize for that. Peace begins with repentance because it's an acknowledgement that you don't look within yourself to solve the problems. Because isn't that how we engage with others, right? We know what's best. They just need to know what we know. If only you knew what I knew, we would be on the same page and find peace. Just like when you engage with your partner, spouse, friend. I just need to communicate myself and then all of it will be figured out, right? That works really well in the midst of conflict. There's a book called The Anatomy of Peace by uh, the Arbinger Institute. And the writers of that book talk about how we engage with one another with hearts of war. An attitude and a posture that I am right and you are wrong within this engagement, and then we go after each other, and of course we just end up with more conflict. They say the first step in a peaceful relationship or resolution is awareness of yourself and the sensitivity to see the other as someone who too might carry their day, their week, their year with them. It used to drive me bonkers in the midst of our meetings at my first church appointment. I was the associate pastor, and we would be talking about this church member and the staff and talk about the criticism that just came our way, because, you know, we never have to deal with that within a context of the church, and we would just be like, but why are they making it so difficult? And then the senior pastor would uh, wisefully say in that moment, I wonder what they're carrying into this dynamic And I always hated it when he did that because it always meant that now I had to see that person not just as the one who just doesn't understand completely wrong, just needs to go away, but as a human being with a story. And sure, they might have used words that they didn't need to, and sure, they might have been aggressive and we're in the church and you treat each other with peace, but perhaps they're carrying with them a computer crashing and losing their whole week's worth of work or the frustration that comes from uh, working with a family member with mental illness 
or substance abuse. Or perhaps they, they lost their job, or perhaps whatever that perhaps might be. We need to learn those stories if we hope for peace. Listen to the other as if they have the peace within them as well. Repent. Humble yourself to acknowledge that you might not be right, always, or at the very least, there might be more in the room with you than the specific conversation, conversation that's giving you a conflict. This Advent, with a slower pace, with a different context than any other Advent we've ever experienced, how do we live into a different sort of peace? One that begins with our change. One that relies on God to renew in us the fabrics of how we've been made and allows us relationships with others to do the same. Lots of big and lofty dreams. But what stands in my head is kind of this phrase, a voice cries out in the wilderness. It stands in my mind because my mind can move in a thousand different ways all the time. And I know that our lives right now, although they're different, are different full of all sorts of new things. And we can get caught up in those things. And I wonder how you might slow your mind to hear the voice crying out in the wilderness, to tune your ear, to repent and acknowledge that God is God. There's so much going on in the world right now. There's so many challenges and such a need for peace and unity. That's not going to come apart from God. And it's not going to come in your life apart from your willingness to observe yourself. To prepare the way of the Lord in you. And to allow the other the space to do the same. So how will you listen this week? to the voice crying out, because it's there. And how will you follow our God, our shepherd, to experience that second candle, candle of peace? I invite you to pray with me this morning. Loving God, we give you thanks that we don't have to solve the world's problems or even the own problems that I experience in our relationships or in my own life. But that you will renew us when we humble ourselves 
to acknowledge that you are God and that it's your kingdom and it's your table and it's your glory and it's your love that all of us are invited into and renewed within. Help us this Advent to experience the peace that comes when we free ourselves from ourselves and rest in you. Amen.